Hylians. There's a lot to love about them, but my favorite thing, hands down, is how you can walk into their house, use a bomb to blow a hole in the wall, and they'll be super chill about it. Welcome to Triple Click, where we bring the games to you. This week, we're going back in time to replay a Super Nintendo classic, The Legend of Zelda A Link to the Past. How does it hold up 30 years later? You'll have to listen to find out. Let's go. I'm Kirk Hamilton. I'm Maddie Myers. And I'm Jason Schreier. And here we are. We're here. Hello. For another episode. Again. Of Triple Click. Welcome back to another episode. Yes, <laughs> here we are. And we're very glad that you're listening. We come to you every week to talk about video games. We have a great time making the show. And uh, it's really cool that so many of you like the show. If... You want to support us making this show. The best way that you can do that is by becoming a Maximum Fun member. We are a proud member of the Maximum Fun family. And to become a member, you can go to MaximumFun.org slash join. And if you do that, you get access to all kinds of free episodes from all kinds of Maximum Fun shows, including Triple Click. And you will get our monthly Beans casts that we do sort of longer conversations about single topics. The most recent one that just went up this past Monday was about Modern Warfare, Call of Duty for Modern Warfare which was a really fun episode to make so if you yeah, want to that was fun. my first time playing it and yeah, yeah it was, it was cool first jason's time. first call of duty amazing so if you want to know more about that go to maximumfun.org slash join jason you want to announce the next beans cast that we're gonna yeah, do let's announce the october beans cast because we're entering october this episode is published on october 1st today is october 1st That's so let's true. do it october. happy october right. <laughs> this month for our beans cast we are playing through Horizon Zero Dawn. We are. Which we talked about a few weeks ago and <laughs> yes. uh, would like to get in times. depth on. Yeah. Are you two going to beat it again? I know I'm going to beat it, obviously. I might. I got pretty far in my replay, and I think that it would be valuable if I could to beat it, though, with the DLC, which is fantastic. It's a lot of video game, and I'm still it playing is. a lot of other things, but it, it would be cool. It's a lot of video game. There is an easy mode. I will say that. I <laughs> That's true, though. The it, cha- but... I love the challenge of that game. But it's really yeah, fun yeah. to play on hard. Yeah, it's super fun on hard especially once you get into like the hard i'm just saying if you if you want a refresher just on the story i'm not sure if i'm gonna finish it but i'll definitely jump in and play i played a ton when i came to pc i played like a solid Mm -hmm. dozen hours or so Mm -hmm. um so yeah so we're gonna talk about that at the end of october if you are a max fun member you will get it you'll get that beans cast at the end of october so that'll be fun all right so what are we talking about today jason today we are uh, introducing, I believe this is a new segment. It is. Um, yeah. Called Triple Click Classics, where yeah. we talk about a classic game that the three of us have played. And this week is maybe one of the most classics of all. The most classic <laughs> games of all. I would say it's a, it's up there in terms of classics. When you say classic, people do think of this game. Mm-hmm. Um, Kirk, do you want to uh, hum the main theme to take us in? Which main theme? Great I love it. Can you take out your vuvuzela? I'll get my penny whistle from my thing. Today we, talk, we are talking about The Legend of Zelda, A Link to the Past, one of my favorite games of all time, one of the, the classics. Um, it came out for the Super Nintendo in 1991 in Japan and 1992 in North America. Um, it was, even back then, it was just seen as like this, this mind-blowing revolutionary game um, because it took, so Zelda 1 came out and that was kind of like, oh my God, open world, explore, walk in any direction you want. And then mm-hmm. Zelda 2 was kind of this weird 
totally different game. It was a side-scroller action game. And then Link to the Past took the Zelda 1 formula and kind of expanded on it, but changed it to make it a little more linear, but then grabbed a bunch of like unique ideas. I mean, so Link to the Past, is, it's like it's a Metroidvania, um, <laughs> even though it's not a Metroid or a Castlevania game. It, like, it has right. all these Metroidvania elements. But anyway, we'll get to that. Um, I have played this game a bazillion times, know it all by heart. Um, Kirk, Maddie, you guys have not played it nearly as many times as I have. This is your second time each playing through it. Um, so I want to hear your impressions, because for me, it's like all-time classic, one of my favorite games ever. Maddie, why don't we start with you? It's your second time playing through it. How far have you gotten on this playthrough, and what are your overall thoughts? Okay, so I have gotten to the midst of rescuing the seven maidens. I'd have to boot up my Switch for you to remember which maiden I'm about so the to dark rescue. Worlds. I have not rescued the wonderful Princess Zelda yet. I know she is the final key in those seven maidens. But yes, the Dark World, second half of the game, if we have to divide this game into halves. Nice. And I, the first time I played this, I was in my 20s. I alternated playing it with a friend who cared a lot more about it than I did. And by that point, I'd already played a lot of other Zelda games. So it was kind of like, oh, cool. This is the Zelda game that established a lot of the patterns that other Zelda games iterate on. And playing it now... I mostly, <laughs> it, it made me want to play Breath of the Wild, which is just a brain disease that I think all of us have at <laughs> right. all times. And yep. anytime I play any Zelda game, I want to play Breath of the Wild. So today I was listening to the Breath of the Wild soundtrack a lot. That's the headspace I'm in now. So thanks a lot, Jason. <laughs> Didn't really need another open world game in my periphery, TBH. Um, but also... It made me think a lot about playing Link's Awakening as a child. I didn't mm. get the experience of playing this game as a child. And we can talk, Jason, later about what it was probably like for you playing it. But I feel like I would have had such a different experience if I had played it then with infinite time, no access to walkthroughs or like very limited access, only talking to friends about how they discovered secrets and so on. It's such a big world and there's so much to discover. And just playing it as an adult, like I get frustrated, I'll just look it up or I'll even just remember where something was and be like, oh yeah, there's, there's no friction. So like I've never had the experience of playing Link to the Past without knowing anything about it or having the luxury of either a walkthrough or playing it alongside somebody who already knew where everything was. Do you know what I mean? I, I feel like that would be a very different experience that now I can't fully have. I could have tried to force it by just playing it alone and not pretending I didn't know where anything was. Well, but. so actually, back then, you kind of did because all of these games, every single game back in the day came with a, a little instruction manual that often contained a guide um, for right. like the first chunk of the game, um, especially RPGs and like action-adventure games. They would often include some sort of guide. So it was basically like you were playing with someone else sitting next well, to you yeah. showing you what to do. That's true. I just... I don't know. I wish I could go back in time and give it to myself as yeah, a kid. It's, even it's though a I would have had some experience. problems with it as a kid. But Oh man, that's well fine. we'll get into that. <laughs> Kirk, any overall impressions uh, you want to share? Sure. Um so I first played this game with a friend as a kid. I didn't Ooh. have Nintendo's growing up, but I had a friend who had like all of the game systems, my friend Brian, and I would go over to his house and we would play games together and he had a Super Nintendo and he had this game and was totally into it and we did a sleepover, I think. 
maybe a series of sleepovers. Oh, this is like ideal. It was. And yes. we played through it. He mostly played. We kind of handed the controller back and forth. Mm-hmm. I played through most of the game, but it wasn't the experience of figuring everything out for myself. It was right. m- much more the experience of he was kind of showing me things. He already knew a lot of secrets. And he mm-hmm. was like better at the game. I just hadn't really played Zelda before. So, yeah, playing it now... I've never played through it by myself, and it, I I went back and forth on, like, do I want to play this by myself and try to figure everything out, or do I want to just look things up? And I actually leaned way hard the other direction. I, like, looked everything up because mm. I didn't have that much time, and I was like, I want to talk about it on the show, and I thought it would just be interesting to <laughs> how do far, that. How far have you gotten? So I've gotten right up to the Dark World. I'm, like, in that final dungeon um, before you go to the Dark World. The I guess tower. before yeah. the castle. So, yeah, I'm in the tower. And I've gone through to the Dark World that first time where you turn oh, into a yeah. rabbit and you're then bunny. come back. Yeah, you're a little bunny. <laughs> it's so um, so great. I played through that last night and I've gotten found so many secrets that I didn't know were in this game. And that has been the thing that struck me more than anything. This game has a very modern sensibility in terms of how secrets are hid. And I mean, I think that Dark Souls and those games kind of repopularized this approach. And clearly we're doing it very explicitly, though, having played those games before I played a lot of Zelda, then playing Breath of the Wild and be like, oh, right, this is the like sort of granddaddy series of this, Mm -hmm. of of doing this kind of thing where... Uh-huh. Just like, what happens if I throw my boomerang into this pool of water? Oh, you get a magic boomerang back. Like, how would you ever know that unless you kind of knew or a friend told you? But that's the magic of these games. And I think that, to me, has been the most uh, remarkable element of the game so far is those secrets and, and how joyful they are and totally optional they are. To answer your question, how would you know this? Sometimes, I don't recall if that specific one has this, but often you'll find hints sprinkled throughout the world, whether it's sure, NPCs sure. telling oh, yeah. you things or like, like games like this. I mean, in fact, I think it would be kind of dumb if it didn't give you no, any no, no, hint right, at right, all right. of like something like that. That would be like the Bloodborne style, like you have to look this up on the internet, which I actually don't think is a very good Or read notes. Well, people. but I mean, Souls games, the Souls yeah. games do the same thing. Like they do leave notes and that's true. No, no, like no, you no but I'm that, saying, I'm saying, okay, I'm thinking of very specific cases, like when you fall into that dark area and you have to like use a specific gesture on the eye and there's like no indication anywhere of what you need to be doing to like I mean, get a I secret. mean, somebody figured that out, right? Somebody did figure it out. Um, but I think Zelda games are actually very good at signposting things. And that's one of the things that also sure. strikes me about this game is like the density of it all and the way that like everything is such a clear visual language, which is a very Nintendo principle and it always has been since, since the NES days is like everything has is very clearly signposted for the player and like you see something and you know that it has a rule and the rule might be crazy and wild and like completely unintuitive counterintuitive but it's a rule that always exists so like you see a a stone and you can pick it up with the gloves but if it's a darker stone then you have mm-hmm. to use the titan's myths the upgrade to the glove to pick it up and there's no explanation for why a darker stone like needs heavy needs super more dense right so yeah. why is it why is it darker just because it's heavier right mm-hmm. but but you know like intuitively like you once you pick up on the visual language of the game you can figure that out and it's very mm-hmm. it's very cool the way that it does it or like cracks in the wall you know you have to put a bomb there like it's a lot of it is just like it teaches you through this visual language that I find really compelling. Mm-hmm. There is, I think it's interesting that the game is open world. Um, this, yeah, I just, Ish. I, 
well, you know, like close enough. <laughs> it, I mean, it's a, a world that you can well, walk because it's very restricted, and then opens up to you more. But yeah, and even in the dark world, you can actually do some uh, dungeons out of order. It's not as linear as like the opening mm-hmm. parts. But yeah, yeah, I mean, this is no. a 1991 video game, though, and you and it's just it's so it's so different than what my conception of a video game was at the time. Yeah. I remember this feeling very exciting and playing it. I'm really it really there are these there will be moments where just a screen or like an image will really take me back just for a second and I'll think I haven't seen that specific thing since you know I played this whenever I was like 12 years old or something uh-huh. and I think that was key to the excitement feeling is this feeling of freedom and as, as restrained as it is as they kind of guide you and get you to go places you can totally go into that cave or not go into that cave and if mm-hmm. you go in you might just find some you know a chest full of rupees or like a little guy I found the guy under the bridge who has yes. the jar once you mm-hmm. get the flippers and he's kind of just chilling he's like camping out yep, under the bridge but he like knows oh, you and he's like oh hey Link let's, he's like I wish I could like, do like, more for things you things are really tough for you <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. there's so many good know, secrets in this dialogue. game oh man yeah. yeah it's so good at that and then it's so good at like continually adding mechanics so once you get to the dark world and then you can use the magic mirror to kind of travel back and forth or you can find mm-hmm. these little hidden spaces throughout the world then suddenly you have to think in terms of like topography like oh if I open up this if I go to the light world from here I'll be standing on this ledge that I couldn't access otherwise and so I can get to this heart piece over here get to this item over here there's so much of it that is just like so friggin clever they just packed in all these ideas into this game I, it's that amazing. idea I mean it, so the, the fact that this game has verticality and you have to think in terms sometimes of being above or below is really interesting, especially for a game from this era, like from so long ago. It is a 3D game. Like you'll be in a cave and you'll see that there's a pathway down low and go out. This is like on the the mountain. You have to kind of drop down to get Mm -hmm. over to the the secret areas. I think that that is really interesting. And yeah, the fact that the dark world exists on top of... The regular world, the light world, is wild only because we talk so much, or I talk a lot about the time jumping level in Dishonored 2. Uh, I think it's called a crack in time and the time warping or the, the time travel level in Titanfall 2, which at some point both of you will play and we'll talk about on this podcast because it's so cool. Both yes. of those levels do the same thing where you're moving through it. This is a, they're both 3D first person games, but you're moving through a space and it, at this in a you know press of a button, suddenly you're in a different space and you go back and forth between the two and then they develop sort of puzzles where you have to be like, oh, the wall isn't there in the past, but it is there in the present. So if I go through in the past and, you know, you, people have played those levels. This game is from 30 years ago, and it was it was basically doing the same thing. That's totally wild. Yeah, mm-hmm. I feel like what struck me about it is how much it feels like a horror premise. Like, my first pull for that was actually Silent Hill. Like, the idea of another world that's mm. on top of our world that's seemingly identical, yep. but some things about it are different in some way. Like, that's classic Japanese horror premise, and it's a great premise, but it's just fun to see it in a game that feels so childlike and joyful up to that point. I mean, that's not to say the game ever gets really spooky scary, but I feel like it it allows for that. And then that's a trope that the later Zelda games can build mm-hmm. on more and like lean into that spookiness by taking this premise of a dark world, which of course, you know, Twilight Princess, like other other games have played with the idea of Link traveling between worlds and his form changing and the body horror stuff. And it's just, it's fun to see it here in this game that is so <laughs> sprightly. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's... <laughs> It's a, it's a weird beautiful, combination. Beautiful sprites. Beautiful, yep. uh, beautiful literal sprites. sprites. 
Yeah, yeah, I think that this this game to me looks like the Super Nintendo. When I picture the Super Nintendo, I just picture the trees and the stumps. Yeah. Like how the stumps have those little X's in the middle of them. There's yeah. just the, there are these little... It's a very classic look. Yes, and uh, and I think so many games have imitated that look, like modern yeah. games that want to look like yeah. uh, you know 16-bit games. Because it's aged look very like well. And that's yeah. one of the things that I find striking about this game is how well it's aged and how well it feels. Mm-hmm. By the way, Kirk, to your point earlier about the past-present like time travel thing, it's funny you mentioned that because the next Zelda game is all about past present and like seeing things in the past a great mm-hmm. of time obviously which came out a few years later but mm-hmm. also there was a game that came out around the same time as link to the past for the super nintendo called chrono trigger that basically i think that's the first game to have played with that idea that like you can find things in the present that aren't there in the past or that that's are true. different in the past and you're traveling between eras but anyway back to link to the past i think that like like basic mechanics and again this is just a classic N- nintendo design principle and like this is why nintendo is the best but like every single mechanic in the game from swinging a sword to even just like picking up a stone has this like polish to it where the animation feels great and it's like just long enough and has that great feel like when you're when you're hitting somebody with a sword it feels sufficiently rubbery and like they bounce back with just enough impact or they die with just enough like little graphical flourish that everything just feels really good um and i think that's the biggest reason this game has aged so well is that it just like it's it's still very delightful to play through it I can think. we talk about the sword fighting just a little bit in that <laughs> yeah there's sure. one aspect of the sword fighting that i struggle with and it's sort of like a distance thing i think that the moment of contact is really good i really like how the sword swings on actual vectors and you have to get into an enemy's guard which mm-hmm. is pretty interesting like they, they're kind of coming at you from a diagonal oh also i love the sound the guards make that when they see you <laughs> what is that supposed to be is they're talking they're whispering to one another they're like there he is you think they're talking yeah. i think it's i think it's kind of sounds like their armor maybe oh yeah but it could be they're highly adjusting though, right? their stance. They've they're, just sort yeah. of been co-opted. They've been by the possessed yeah. by evil forces. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Well, you try not to think about it too much because otherwise, Link is slaughtering <laughs> yeah, right, no, you're like, like his own people. I right, mean, sometimes exactly. they come back, so it's fine. I think they're demons. That's true. I think they're demons. Although they do get called in the town, the guards get called and they, they come do. after. That's you. the worst when someone narks on you I in the know. town. Yeah, you gotta yeah. not talk Such to a anyone. Feeling of betrayal. They're gonna call the cops on you. Right, but you do need to talk to people because some of them give you every now and then. But you gotta remember who's cool. Cool, and who mm-hmm. is it? It's a good cool. moment. That actually, I'm getting sidetracked from the combat, but that moment when you go and talk to somebody and they're like, oh no, it's you, the criminal, and they call for the police. I feel like, I mean, especially when I was a kid playing this, those are the moments that make the game feel so big and mm-hmm. like there are so many possibilities. As the world is reacting to you, not just you have a sword now and you can hit an enemy and do more damage, but like the culture, the society has reacted to you and people see you and they know who you are and they react to you. And that, mm-hmm. I think, especially for that time period, probably felt really cool. But so the mm-hmm. combat is... I kind of struggle with, like, how you take damage just from touching enemies, but then Mm -hmm. you have to get pretty close to them to hit them. That's the one thing that, to me, doesn't feel amazing. And it's probably because I've been playing a lot of Hades lately, and that game's game feel is Mm. totally out of control, and they've had 30 years of iteration. But that's the one thing in the game where everything else really holds together, and the combat system does hold up. It's fun, and I've gotten my head around it. Uh, but the you can sword also, I mean, you can use long distance uh, weapons. Oh yeah! Oh man! I, <laughs> I went into the castle recently. I don't remember why, but you know how if you try to just go straight up the gates, there's like two archers and two of those guys who throw the tridents. And I was of just course. in this like bow and arrow fight with those guys, and it was so good. I've yeah, totally gotten some good stuff in there. I've gotten better at this kind of game uh, since just playing a lot of Hollow Knight and a lot of other games like this, where just mm-hmm. dodging moving objects and not getting hit is just easier for nice. me because I sort of. I'm just better at it now. So it was yeah, so I'm fun. I was just like laughing and laughing as these guys keep shooting arrows at me and I'm shooting at them and the 
arrows are bouncing off of each other in midair, which is a really cool thing that happens in this game. They just mm-hmm. bounce off each other. And you can boomerang the, the arrows away from you as well, which yeah. is very nice. You don't have very to waste cool. any arrows on yep. that. That's that was true. my preference. Yeah, as you play, you get a lot more long distance stuff, especially mm-hmm. in the dark world. I got the magic boomerang Yeah, now, you get the magic boomerang. Shreds. You gotta get the magic boomerang. And you get like these three medallions that let you cast spells. There are a lot of random ass items in this game. <laughs> I love the, the, the fairy in that pool and the magic pool where she gives you good stuff like you uh-huh. throw in something and she'll, she'll just give you it back she's like okay well you, thanks here <laughs> there you, you go, go. <laughs> and she doesn't do anything to it yep. you're like oh yep. man so you're kind of just throwing stuff in and then when she's just like i appreciate your honesty she's like, did you throw this into the pond the whole premise of that is very funny to me it's so bizarre yeah it's yeah. so funny um yeah there's so much good stuff in this game um the sound effects when you like shoot the armos knights in the first in the first dungeon um, mm-hmm. those are one of my favorites like when the armor signs go Wah! like there's, there's oh, a yes. certain like <laughs> to like <laughs> to hitting yeah. things with, um, so yeah so so this is this game's structure I think is really interesting because it's a type of game it has that kind of like Metroidvania feel this game came out about two or three years before Super Metroid um, it came out after the original Metroid but it still has that feel of like you see something you can't get through it now you know that you're going to be able to come back to it later and figure out like get the once you have the item that lets you mm-hmm. get to it and it has this like kind of it does feel, it has that open world feel but it's surprisingly linear especially at first because so much of it is locked off to you and then mm-hmm. you get progressively progressively more keys as you like unlock the world and go on and it's very much a game that encourages backtracking and and writing things down like writing down oh there's a thing here that I could get to later um, I'm curious you guys Maddie especially as our, our resident Metroid fangirl um, do yeah. you like what's what's your take on the overall structure of this game it's funny I would never have thought to call this a Metroidvania at oh, all really? and yet you've called it that multiple times and I'm I'm seeing what you mean it is true that you get different items i feel like so much of the signposting in this game is puzzle based which is something that metroid occasionally does but Mm. it's not as common it's more like oh i can just tell that this is an area i can't get to whereas in this game and in a lot of zelda games it's not necessarily that you need an item it's that you need to be thinking about something in a different way sometimes you need an item but it's so frequent in a dungeon that you'll see a bunch of treasure chests or or certain doors that you can't get to and it's not that you need the hookshot or something it's that you need to approach it from a completely different place yeah I should be clear I'm talking about the open world not the dungeons because the dungeons are not designed in that way the dungeons are designed in the way that you're talking about the open world is designed Metroidvania-ish And I guess the story is sort of encouraging backtracking or at least unexpected in the way that Metroid games can be because you keep thinking it's over or that you've achieved some type of new thing. Like you collect the three pendants, you can't get the master sword right away and you think that's going to be some huge moment. The wizard has to be defeated and re-defeated multiple times. Ganon classically has to be defeated and re-defeated multiple times. That feels very like, you know, Ridley flying out of the space station and you know you're going to see that guy a billion more times. <laughs> there, there's certainly some some similarities structurally there, but Zelda to me... I mainly just think of it as a puzzle game. And mm-hmm. Metroid is not 
always quite that way. But you're right. Mm. I mean, there are there are a lot of really core similarities there in terms of Yeah, well, items. so that's the thing about Link to the Past. You're spending so much of your time in these dungeons, and there yeah. are 10, 11, really 12, depending how you're counting, 12 dungeons in the game. And each of them is this little puzzle box, and they get increasingly more complicated. And it's very much the classic Zelda style that really this game pioneered, because the first two, they both had items and dungeons, but the puzzle, sol- the puzzle solving was not quite the same. And the backtracking was not quite the same. It's really this game that kind of pioneered that formula of like you go through the dungeon, you see all these different things as you go. There aren't a ton of ways you can go yet until you get the item and then suddenly you can find your way through and getting all these like uh, unlocking all these areas, seeing all these things you couldn't do before. And each each dungeon in the game has a key item. The first couple are like the bow and arrow and then the power glove and so on and so forth. Um, and there's just so much clever design surrounding them. What do you guys think? Kirk, what do you make of, of the dungeon design in this game? You're battling through the tower as we speak yeah i really like the dungeons (laughs) that i've played so far they're smaller than um you know a dungeon might be in a more modern game but i like Mm -hmm. that they feel kind of quaint you just go through and there's a couple of secrets and then you get the big chest and then you go straight to the boss and then the boss fight is usually pretty easy or at least so far they've been pretty easy Mm -hmm. um i don't mind that at all because each dungeon is just a little bit different each one has like a new idea the i liked how in the desert dungeon you leave the dungeon and then you go and pick up the rocks and go back into another part of the dungeon through a door that you couldn't access previously. It's just a little clever thought. Like, oh, you, what if you left the dungeon in the middle of the dungeon? And then the only way to get to the end of it was you had to go in through a different door. So there's a lot oh, of stuff man. like that. And I like all those little sorts of ideas. And then each one sort of subsequently adds an idea like that. So I appreciate yeah. them for their small scope and their focus, I think. Yeah, well, so as you go, the dungeons do get bigger, but they're always focused. So, like, later on, when you go through the Dark World, there's one dungeon that's, like, built around. It's sort of like the water temple from Ocarina, except this was the preliminary water temple. It's built around, like, draining water in the in the dungeon, and you have to, like, drain and then undrain mm-hmm. and drain and undrain. Um, there's another dungeon that's just the ice palace and it's based on like skidding ice and moving blocks of ice around. But yeah, there's some really just like clever stuff as you go and some really convoluted stuff. When you get to turtle rock, the last dungeon in the game, it's definitely, it's humongous. It's bigger than, bigger than I think it'll be surprising to you how big it is. No, I think, it's Kirk. Zelda's in there. You got to mm-hmm. make it really make it important <laughs> when you, when you get up to Princess Zelda. Mm-hmm. That is true. Gotta, gotta rescue Zelda. Um, although Zelda is just kind of like another one of the, the maidens that you have to rescue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of it's it's interesting the the whole trope of rescuing a maiden of a being a dude rescuing a maiden. This game has seven maidens that you have to rescue. It's like that trope times seven. I know, I know, and they're all trapped in little crystals that Link can seemingly carry in his pocket. <laughs> like I, I guess that's how that works before they they really get to do their follow, their yeah. final smash together and open up the Look, door. If we're going to if we're going to make women to uh, <laughs> things that you need to rescue, you might as well make them to literal objects that you can carry yeah. around in your pocket. Yeah. Uh, that, it's it's fun. They like they get to come out of the crystal and then like mm-hmm. say their line to Link and then say they're thank like, "Thank you." They they are appreciative yes. to you. And then they're like, "Okay, back in the crystal I go until it's time for me to do one more plot action and then yeah. and then I'm gone again." <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. That was that was the main thing that I was like, maybe it was fine that I didn't play this as a child. Like I don't know if I needed <laughs> even more damsel in this in distress media in my yeah, life because sure. there's already so much of it in games in that time period. But like as an adult, I can just kind of laugh sardonically about it. 
But yeah, yeah. I, I was I was definitely struck by the moments in this game when they actually let Zelda do something, which are few and far between. Like she helps you push open the door. And like the fact that I'm citing that really speaks to how little Zelda does. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, she's she's always screaming about something. And I, it's mm-hmm. just kind of too bad. I It was part of what made me think about Breath of the Wild because I feel like that game is such a strong commentary on the idea that these characters have predetermined roles that they have to follow and they're uncomfortable with that idea and that's something that I think the series has really strained against since this game and since it, since its origins and it's something that I think people feel pretty uncomfortable with now is the idea that people yeah. have predetermined roles which is what this game's literally about is like mm-hmm. you are a genetic <laughs> carrier of a certain role and you must perform it and it's also like divine right of kings stuff mm-hmm. like we must put the, the rightful ruler on the throne in order for the land to flourish like all that is in there. Yeah, the whole idea of the Zelda timeline is like different yes. links being descendants of each other and the story mm-hmm. of Link. And yeah, there's a lot of it that is like kind of, it's almost the antithesis or like the, the opposite side of the coin of Nintendo. Like with one side, you get these amazing design ideas and mechanics and like like design polish, unlike anything else in the video game industry. On the other side, you get this traditionalism and conservatism when it comes to storytelling. And it's like Mario has to always rescue the princess. Link always has yeah. to rescue the princess it's always these fucking princesses that you have to rescue and like they just can't seem to find the courage um it's funny because link has the triforce of courage but they can't seem to find the courage to like subvert it even once um and yeah like hopefully breath of the wild too like like blows us away and it's like you play zelda in this one but still it's it's well they keep walking up to it right i feel like in breath of the wild in a lot of these modern zelda games there is the discussion of the legend like you were saying maddie Mm -hmm. it's part of the story and then the the game does seem to be kind of in conversation with that but then the best they've done is that you know whatever 30 years down the road i guess 27 years down the road people really thought the zelda might be playable in this one yeah. <laughs> like that's that's as good yeah, as it gets people people keep waiting for that I feel like I'm the only person who's given up hope on that at this point because they've just various Zelda designers have made so many statements over the years about how it won't happen that I'm just going to take them at their word. Yeah, but the trailer for Breath of the Wild 2, like Link gets kidnapped. So it's it's the one thing that has given people hope. He's gotten out of many scrapes before. Oh, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think I think there are some other messages in the game though beyond just the conservatism one. Like I was I was looking into it because I think when I think of Zelda, I think about Arthurian legends and like Western Mm -hmm. legends being a huge influence on them. But today I was reading about like sort of more Buddhist and Shintoist legends and how those played a role in the story. And I thought that was pretty interesting to get into. And when this game came out, Apparently, Japan was going through sort of a weird phase of environmentalism, and there were some Mm. theories that this game was a part of that and and just part of that trend. And I think you can definitely see that reading as well, which isn't necessarily a conservative one. I mean, you can interpret it a few different ways. But this idea of like someone taking over the world and it changing fundamentally for the worse, which is Mm -hmm. very much what Ganon does in this game. You can kind of get a climate change message out of the dark world spilling into our world and like Mm. a a leader who is corrupting the land i I feel like that part there's definitely a reading you could do that would be interesting but you're right jason like there is also just a fundamentally conservative aspect of defined roles in this game that yeah i like that though i like that 
I like the environmental message because there is a lot of like just environmental stuff in this game. I mean, you wind up draining water, like I mentioned. In one point, you can drain the water in the sewer thing and then you go outside and the lake beds are all dried up and the fish are like struggling and dying. Yeah. Um, And then, yeah, the dark world is just this like corrupt, like arid version of of the, the vibrant green world. There's a lot of like green bushes and trees and and very it does feel like a very environmental game i mean the legend of zelda ha 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 but the legend behind this game behind zelda (laughs) is that um shigeru miyamoto like made up this game this concept while he was exploring the caves and woods behind his house where he lived Mm. in japan so it is a very very environment centric series and so i do i really like that idea um and that theory maddie as well so i played this game when i was a kid though you know like i said i played it kind of shared the experience with somebody else. But then I played A Link Between Worlds, and I played that pretty recently. And while I was aware that that game is very closely tied to A Link to the Past, I hadn't played A Link to the Past in so long that playing it just, it felt basically like a new video game. I was like, this is great. Playing this now, after having played A Link Between Worlds, which I love, I think I played that game one and a half times at least, I totally want to play it again sometime. It's a, it really it struck me how, like, Everything in A Link Between Worlds is some sort of a reference to A Link to the Past. The map just feels the same. There are so many times where I'm going places. I'm like, oh, right, this cave, Mm -hmm. it's kind of still here. There's just something different in it, which is funny. It's just another, I feel like the longer you're alive and you play video games, the more likely you are to have these experiences of playing the thing and then playing the thing that inspired the thing later and realizing the full extent of the inspiration. Yeah, it's a weird experience, but it's worth having. Like if somebody's listening to this and they're like, well, I've played a lot of Zelda, but I've never bothered to play Link to the Past, I, I hope they'll consider at least oh, checking yeah, yeah, it yeah. out because it's such a cool feeling to play something and be like, oh, this is just the Ur legend. Like this is this is the version of it because it's it's explained very concisely in the game. It has all the charm and like funny dialogue quirks that Zelda games sort of try to have later on, but it's it's in its most distilled form here, I think. Yeah, and even and if you've played Link Between Worlds, like there's it's specific yeah. things, right? Like where his house is located, the map is just the same map, or it's really similar, anyways. And so I'll just be like, oh yeah, I know where his house is, and I'll be like, wait, why do I know that so well? Oh right, because <laughs> I kind of played a game with this. Same yeah, map. it's meant to be a direct sequel. It was announced as yeah, Link yeah, yeah, to the yeah, Past Two. Um, Kirk, speaking of Link Between Worlds, uh, let's talk about the music of this game, oh, man. Um, because that is one of the main reasons that it's such an all-time classic is because of that soundtrack yeah um, i haven't from the so overall or overworld theme to just like yeah i would say this is the definitive version of the zelda overworld theme is in this one that counter melody that comes in is really good i haven't so i i really want to get to the dark world because i want to hear that dark world music <laughs> um, I, re- I know it really well it's such a good it's such a good uh, musical theme and the version of it that plays in the link between worlds is I'm gonna say it's my favorite musical track of any Zelda game. I don't really know if that's true. There's a lot of stuff in Wind Waker that's like really good. But when that comes in, in that game, the groove is so nasty. I just remember playing that on my 3DS and being like, oh my God, like I love this game so much. I 
think I could love it anymore. And now yeah, I do. Yeah, that's why I brought it up because you were raving about that a couple of weeks ago. I'll just put it on <laughs> sometimes. And it's just like, yeah, mm, it's, mm, it's mm, so good. It's just, oh, it's so good. And so I'm but excited this, for that but moment in this game. In this game I mean, too. this game, the, the soundtrack in this game is killer. I think. Oh, yeah. Any, any particular thoughts on that other than the overall theme? No, I like the dungeon music. I like the weird, those weird sounds that the Super Nintendo would get. Some of those, like, synth synth sounds that are just very odd. I did this, you know, I did that Strong Songs episode on Super Mario Brothers, which was the sound module for the original NES. And I only learned a little bit about the SNES, which is much more capable in terms of sounds. But the more Super Nintendo games I play, the more those specific synth sounds that they get on that that, uh, console really just stand out to me. It's such a distinct and really weird, it's like a weirder sounding console in a lot of ways than the NES. Um, So yeah, final thoughts before we go and take a break um i mean i i could rave about this game all day long but i think the overall package is just like really incredible and i think because of those 2d graphics it's aged a lot better than a lot of 3d games and even a lot of other super nintendo and 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 regular nintendo games so i recommend playing it if you can everyone should go play it um maddie you want to give your overall thoughts and then kirk sure i would agree with that i i think it's definitely worth playing if you like other zelda games and you've never gotten around to some of the older ones like if you're a person who's played Breath of the Wild, for example, or Twilight Princess, and you're like, I don't, I want to know a little more about this world. I think this is the older Zelda game I would recommend, perhaps even over something like Link's Awakening, because that's sort of an alternate universe version of Link's world and was a really weird one for me to start with as a child. This is like, the legend makes sense. Everything's here. It's all straightforward. And it's got all that good, good classic Zelda shit in there. It's very satisfying. Yeah, I would say pretty much the same. Um, if you know, you can play this game if you have a subscription to the NES thing. It's just yeah. on, in the Super Nintendo on the app, which it has yes. that. Re- I'll say that rewind is so cool. <laughs> Saving game states is so great. We didn't so even great. talk about save states. It's like, so how good. Did, how did anybody even I know. deal when it was just fairies? <laughs> yeah, I don't even. I don't know. And so that makes the game so much more playable that you can really just see it. And I've been playing with a walkthrough and just checking stuff and whatever, exploring and then looking where to go. And it's been really fun. Like it's a. It's it's just like really low-key way to play the game. I totally plan to finish it. It's it's really cool. I gotta get to the Dark World and hear that Dark World theme. But yeah, it's a great game. I mean, I'm I'm surprised at how well it holds up and how modern it feels in a lot of ways. Yes, agreed. Okay, this has been Triple Click Classics. Why don't we take a break and then we'll be back with one more thing? Hello there, ghouls and gals. It is I. April Wolf. I'm here to take you through the twisty, scary, heart-pounding world of genre cinema on the exhilarating program known as Switchblade Sisters. The concept is simple. I invite a female filmmaker on each week and we discuss their favorite genre film. Listen in closely to hear past guests like the Babadook director, Jennifer Kent, Winter's Bone director, Deborah Granick, and so many others every Thursday on MaximumFun.org. Tune in if you dare. <laughs> it's actually a very thought-provoking show that deeply explores the craft and philosophy behind the filmmaking process while also examining film through the lens of the female gaze. So, like, you should listen. Switchblade Sisters. Hi, I'm Allie Gertz. And I'm Julia Prescott. And we host Round Round Springfield. Springfield. Round Springfield is a Simpsons-adjacent podcast where we talk to your favorite Simpsons writers, voice actors, and everyone who's worked on the show to talk about shows that aren't The Simpsons. So we're going to be talking to people like David X. Cohen, Yardley Smith, Tim Long about 
other projects they've worked on, sometimes projects that didn't go well. Mm. Some failures. Yeah. Some rejections. Some failed pilots. <laughs> some failed life events. Yeah. We just <laughs> talked to all the failures of The Simpsons. Yeah. So if you really love your Simpsons trivia and want to get to know the people who have worked on The Simpsons a little bit better, come by Round Springfield. Every other week on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. And we are back. Kirk, Maddie, it is time to do one more thing. Maddie, I'm going to start with you. Guess what Maddie is is going to talk about, everybody? Guess. Just, I couldn't possibly guess. Uh, it's Destiny 2. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I tried, to, I tried to carve out a lot of time this week for Link to the Past. I wanted to get as far as I could before we recorded the show, and I Excellent. only had a couple of extra hours for my raid friends on Sunday, and we all did another raid together. We have not beaten it yet we're still working on it i don't have a ton to say about the game itself it's just been a great comfort to me to have found a gaming group that i really like and i i guess it's just kind of a weird covid thing where like i never would have thought i'd be a person who'd be playing this much of a multiplayer game again it's been a while Mm -hmm. since i had a consistent multiplayer game in my life and i'm sort of remembering like oh yeah in college i did this a lot more and i had times in my life where i had that but this is like one of the few quote unquote parties <laughs> that I attend in any form. And yeah. the destiny two of it all doesn't really matter that much to me. I, I think it's entirely possible that we'll beat the raids and I won't even care about destiny two anymore. Or I will convince the two of you that we need to deeply care about the next season of destiny <laughs> two and we'll stream it and it'll be gangbusters. But it's, that part of it is kind it. of faded. I'm away planning on jumping me. in when Beyond Light comes I'm out. I'm down. I'm down. Worth. But like at this point, it has so firmly become a socialization activity in my mind again mm-hmm. that it's a it's a comfort. So shout out to Destiny Two for being the greatest alternative to Skype that there is. Uh, keep keep <laughs> here, it up. Here. Keep it up, yes. Destiny Two. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Kirk, what's your one more thing? My one more thing is Hades, but it's a different a different type of Hades than we talked about last week. So last week, Jason, I know you and I were both playing the game. We were sharing impressions of it. I've played a lot more of it, not as much more as I would like to because I was playing a lot of Zelda as well. Um, mm-hmm. Though, that, like I mentioned earlier, transitioning between the two games is wild only because... Hades is so smooth and so awesome feeling to play, and Zelda is great, but it, it's just not the same. You can experience. tell it's a 2020 game versus yes, <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Like I'm immediately playing it. I'm like, I just want to play this. I made the mistake of starting a game at like 11:30 at night, Ooh. which is a good way to not get a good night's sleep because it's so <laughs> hard to stop. Like once you get going, just because why stop? You can just do another run, and you want to kind of see what you get for your first drop when you drop in, and then oh, what's this build going to be like? Um, but I've been playing enough that I have uh, a lot more sort of in the weeds thoughts about this game. So I wanted to kind of nerd out about it a little bit and see what your thoughts were, um, what your thoughts were as well, Jason. Have you cleared it yet? Oh, uh, no. I So yeah, let's say how far I've gotten. So I beat Theseus and the Minotaur for the first time a couple nights ago. That's a choke point. Yeah, that's that's, a That's a tough fight. But it was one, it was the minute I got there, I got all the way to Hades and then I almost beat Hades. Like it, on that same run because I was just untouchable all the way up to there and then in that fight I didn't yep. even die I didn't use one death defiance in that fight I was just going 
And the build that I did it with was um, Ares. Ares has some great abilities. I've like really come around on Ares. Ares, um, his cast, which lets you throw that like spinning thing of blades, super useful for that fight because you can kind of just run around in circles. And Doom. I mean, Doom is like... Is a, is yes, and I also had Doom on my main attack, which is useful. But just running in circles and doing that cast into the middle of the room, kind of, while the Minotaur chases you around, like Theseus can't hit you, and then it, you, they do a lot of damage. So mm-hmm. that was how I... Got that far, and I I feel like I could have beaten Hades, which I gather I know that's not the end of the game, only because people count the number of clears that they get, and they they kind of mm-hmm. keep. Going. But it also opens up, I hear, story wise, like as you keep playing it, there's more stuff. Well, that so the way it works find. is so yeah, so once you clear Hades, and I'll try to be spoiler light here, but once you clear that's the fine. first run, which I did over the weekend, um, cleared a run for the first time, you just wind up back in the same place as you were, and then you can just keep doing runs. You get a new ability to like open up challenges and challenge yourself and that's when that's in that way Mm -hmm. it opens up in terms of the story the story is advancing every time you die no matter what like there will always be character interactions and like like rapidly advancing stuff and so that is really interesting and the way that it's uh it's structured is really cool and smart and like i mentioned last week it makes you feel like you're always making progress because the characters always have new stuff to say and there's always new new skills to get and new abilities you really are like like getting better and better mechanically as you go because you can build your experience using darkness and like unlocking stuff in the mirror and unlocking weapon aspects and all this other shit it's some really some really it's man it's so good yeah i mean i'm like i have all the death defiances and 100 health at the beginning which is huge Mm -hmm. i mean i'm way more powerful than i was like the whole like tartarus is just a joke at this point and it just it wasn't not because i wasn't good but because like zag was just weak at the beginning of the game and now he's really powerful yeah 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 yeah. it's very much not just skill based but stat. what was your build when you beat when you beat hades for the first time what were you using yeah so there are two builds that have gotten me really far one is using the the disc the spinny or the shield but you can Mm -hmm. if you use one of your blood um um, to upgrade it, you can turn it into this like spinny thing that stays spinning and attacks people while you can oh. attack anyway. Mm-hmm. And it's it's called like the aspect of Zeus or something like that. And that's super useful because then you can deck it out as you go in a build to get it like shooting lightning bolts at anybody surrounding it. So you can throw your disc and have your disc in one side of the room while you're just fighting enemies in the other side of the room. And it does like double the clearing oh, duty. Nice. Yeah. But then the one that I actually re- cleared the game with was uh, a Malfon's Fist build, which is like oh. the short... Yeah, short yeah, range yeah. melee weapon um just combined with some some rad shit like i had a magnetic pole on it um and some like uh aphrodite's love mechanics which uh make enemies really mm-hmm. weak and just combined with like uh, De- demeter demeter um who chills enemies and like you can wind up there the, the game is so well balanced that you can wind up like finding cool stuff and like making your your build really powerful no matter who you find along the way which i think is really a testament to how great this game is and how long they've spent with it in early access yeah, that is true two years in early access yeah i've found i like athena because i really like deflect just yeah because deflecting i think is when awesome. you're as you're getting better and before you've kind of really figured everything out it's nice to just be able to sit there deflecting like yeah. ranged attacks back at people yeah so and do... there's an enemy there's like a sub boss a mini boss called the witches circle yeah i love um, that with deflect where you can just stand well, yeah, there and just be like, like ha 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 no yep. f- Yep. Stop hitting yourself. So, yes, very so, good. So, Maddie, so when you get to this witch's circle, so witches in this game shoot bullets at you, and it's like bullet hell style game. Sure. Um, and the witch's circle is like five of them, and they're all just shooting. It's like impossible to move around. All you see is bullets. Um, and if you get in there like with a normal, with the, and you don't have deflect, you're like, oh shit, like this is it. Like this <laughs> could be my run. But if you get in there and you have deflect, it's just like instant win because right. you just are deflecting all these bullets back at the enemies. It's yes. amazing. 
It's very good. Um, yeah, such a good game. And like some people have really just like mastered the way. And there's strategies to like how you can choose which which perks you should choose along the way. And if mm-hmm. you're thinking like long term versus short term, you always want to prioritize the weapon upgrades to Dallas's hammer, um, oh, and yeah, then boons, and then like like there are different strategies you can take hammer, along the yeah. way. Dataless's hammer, man, what a good game. It's really um, good. And yeah, so I've been using the spear mostly, but the shield's super fun, and I've unlocked the other stuff and haven't used it. There's yep. a gun. There's just that like. Yeah, gun. that's the one I don't like. That's no, the only I, one I don't like. I'm not going to use it because it just doesn't seem like a that like a ranged game. Even though I gather the bow is very good. Well, you should use all of them because you actually you get bounty. No, so I, I don't know, know if you know, noticed, yeah. but yeah. So every every time you clear a boss, you get something, but you only get it the first time you're using that that yes. weapon no, no, until no, later when you can find other. Ways it's to. more that like I'm sticking with one thing that I've learned. But I've yeah. I mean the fact that playing the game with like the gloves totally different game it's such a different thing and then you can upgrade them and get all these different abilities and yeah the daedalus hammers give you specific abilities on like some of the daedalus hammer stuff for the spear is totally wild and changes the function of the weapon entirely well it does that with all of them i know i know and so there are these like just yeah there's so many games within this game i'm gonna be playing this thing forever it's so freaking good if anyone listening to this is on the fence about hades like go play hades it's really really like next level good yeah yeah. i have it i'm going to play it it it's, will happen. You're gonna like it. I think it's. I think it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be one of the like significant game of the year. Like everyone's oh, yes. has eighties on it. It's yes. basically mandatory at this yes. point, and it looks good as hell. It's so. a phenomenon. Um, also, it's super horny, as we talked about last week. Um, I think that it has everything, and for every type of gamer, it has like hardcore <laughs> min maxing, and then it also has the romance. Yeah, and, I think like, that that's. I think that's part of the stickiness. Oh, is yeah. right is the amazing like All super hot, hot character people. designs. Yes, I think that's mm-hmm. part of it. Mm-hmm. But also like funny dialogue and yes. all that all that good stuff and it's yep. also a good game to point to if you're ever like talking to some chud or gamer gator who's like why can't games have sexual stuff and like defending bikini armor <laughs> or whatever you mm-hmm. look at a game like this like, and it's like this is an equal opportunity horny game like you look at Aphrodite's and then you look at Ares and it's like this and, is very much a game that is appealing to all types of sexuality and that's the key yeah well that's and that the key. in and of itself is hot like it's hot to be <laughs> that way inclusive. like th- to be inclusive about it like yeah yeah no totally agree it's hot on multiple levels and that's really cool so it's like basically the argument it's very easy it's like bikini armor would be totally fine if you also have like i don't know dick armor or whatever if that's the aesthetic of your game which like 80s has kind of decided that that's the aesthetic of its world which is fun because it's the greek gods and they're like already fan fiction characters anyway right right bunch of horn dogs to begin with yeah (laughs) very messy so messy (laughs) very messy here's for equal opportunity horniness um okay my uh my one more thing is so on sunday um i had an opportunity uh, my wife and daughter were at my in-laws place so i was all by myself just for a day for a couple days um and so sunday i had an opportunity to just watch football all day and play final fantasy 14 the dream um, which i have gotten uh, into the dream. it was quite a day it was quite a day i won't i won't get into all the football stuff even though there's a lot to talk to but i'll <laughs> save that for a future week okay. lots to talk about nick Foles and gardner Minshew are recruiting Recurring, recurring NFL players on this podcast and the, mm-hmm. and the previous podcast both have fascinating stories, but I'll get into that another time. I really want to talk about Final Fantasy XIV. So this is the MMORPG. I started playing this after the Final Fantasy XVI trailer because it's a lot of the same people, and I was like, man, I really got to finish this thing. I had stopped a couple of years ago um, after just getting up to Heaven's Ward. Here's the key thing, though. I was playing that game on PS4. Uh, now I've switched to playing it on PC, exponentially better like just playing it with a monitor and a mouse and keyboard mm-hmm. this game was not meant for a controller it's, it's like weird fine on a controller. with a controller but not meant for a controller anyway 
dove into this game, just spent hours and hours playing it on Sunday while watching football, and have finished Heavensward, which is the first expansion of the game. Man, you guys, it's really, really good. What a really, what a fantastic game. Nice. Um, the storytelling is really good. The music is incredible. Um, the atmosphere and the art and everything about it is just really good. And like you wind up, it's it's the rare MMO. It has like very classic MMO gameplay in that there are tanks and healers and DPS characters and you dungeon you quest together and do dungeons together. Um, you can play most of the game solo, but like throughout the main story quest, you eventually have to do dungeons and you can just be match made with random people and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Um, and the gameplay is very much like auto attacking, like using abilities, like figuring out your rotations, all the stuff you would do in a classic MMO. But the big difference here is that like it's all about the story. And so like unlike something like World of Warcraft, where the story is just kind of fine, but you're really in it for like the raiding and hanging out with your friends and like other aspects of MMO. This is a game where you can play it and just like get this incredible, like lengthy, deep, rich story where like you have this gang of characters who are going along with you. They're all NPCs who are going along with you as you play through the main story, and they all have personalities and like are just really interesting and deep and funny and like have this great like sense to them um to the point where like the game actually kills off characters and it's like heartbreaking or like the game does all these interesting things characters betray you or like fall in love and like do all these really interesting things hmm. heavens where the first expansion is very game of thronesy it's like uh, uh it's about this war between the city of people in the snow like on the snow tops and uh they're at war with these dragons and you have to figure out what the deal is and like why the war started and try to put an end to it and it takes you to some really fascinating places and man i really like this game nice. um i'm gonna try to get all the way through Shadowbringers, which is the third expansion good lord um because very people highly say regarded expansion yeah, yeah people say there's just so like much of incredible. this game there's so the much big problem with this game is the barrier for entry and it is so time consuming and yeah. you have to pay every month if you want to stick with it um, mm-hmm. it's just so hard to get into I heard that they've streamlined like the earlier parts of the game so it no longer takes just like 100 hours before you get into the first expansion um, I think you can jump you can zip through it a little bit more yeah. quickly fortunately because there's some parts that definitely dragged when I was playing back in the day through those early parts but, um, but yeah man it's just so good and soothing and comforting and just I really like it in so many different ways um, and it's also making me really excited for Final Fantasy 16 because if there's <laughs> you one really thing you really needed to get excited for Final Fantasy 16 yeah like you weren't they weren't it's at really all good that you it's just gonna had to get, get you there. I wasn't it. enough yeah that's true you, I mean you guys heard me last <laughs> week I was so muted and like unex- I was so you're bored you're so bummed it. out I'm not really <laughs> sure what to think no but like you because if this game has a weakness other than the monthly subscription which is a pain um, if this game has a weakness it's the combat because it's very MMO combat yeah. there's a lot of just like waiting around and like occasionally just like going through the motions especially if you're playing solo like I have been Um, but Final Fantasy 16 promises to take like the music and the vibe and the tone and the writing of 14 and then also add this like action heavy combat that looks pretty sweet in the trailer and man I'm I'm quite excited. Mm, gathering that you're excited, excited for Final mm. Fantasy 16. But anyway, 14, good. really good game. Nice, I'm going nice. to try to stick with it and like see how much I can play before I burn out. Um, see if I can get through the next two expansions and like catch up in time for all the brand new stuff. But yeah, people just rave so much about Shadowbringers. And I'm like, I, I have to play through this. I have a feeling that you will. That's cool. That's yeah. cool that it's good. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah. yeah, more and more hours. <laughs> Fun game, and the du- the dungeons I got to say are really cool, also, and just like the idea that you're playing with these other people, and everybody so far has been very friendly. I'm playing as a tank, so I have a lot of responsibility, and like <laughs> I'm not great at it, but people have been super well, chill. People are being like, nice. Oh, that's always good. That the good. community nice seems who are cool super about it, chill, even if you're not very good. Yeah. That's the dream. It seems very much like a game full of people who are like like 
chill players. Um, and it's not nice. like a hardcore community. And cool. yeah, I just really like it. There's just so much to do and so much to like. One of the things that's really clever about it, and then I'll 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 cut off, is that on a single character you can level up every class in the mm-hmm. game, and you can switch classes whenever you want. So Ooh. it's very it's not like like in World of Warcraft you yeah, you're to not switch characters, in. make a brand new yeah. character, and you're totally locked. I in. remember liking that even from the small amount that I played. Yeah, mm-hmm. and this you can really just switch weapons and switch classes mm-hmm. e- instantly. Um, I will say there's a free trial I think that like takes you all the way through Heavensward. I think there's some restrictions. But you can play jump in for free. So if people are curious, like there is a way to to, to just jump in and, and not have to pay. First for it. one's free. That's Anyways, Final Fantasy fourteen, <laughs> good stuff. All right, I think that is it for this week's episode. Kirk, Maddie, fun times. Yeah, fun times. See you both next week. <laughs> See you next week. Bye. Triple Click is produced by Jason Schreier, Maddie Myers, and me, Kirk Hamilton. I edited and mixed the show and also wrote our theme music. Our show art is by Tom DJ. Triple Click is a proud member of the Maximum Fun Podcast Network, and if you like our show, we hope you'll head over to MaximumFun.org slash join and consider becoming a member. Doing so helps support us and gets you access to an exclusive Triple Click episode each month. Find us online at TripleClickPodcast.com, on Twitter at TripleClickPod, and send email to TripleClick at MaximumFun.org. Thanks for listening. See you next time. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.